Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's Favors driving to the rack. He's going high. He's going to take all the eggs and all the bacon on that one with a left-hand dribble drive to the rim. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 15th of November, the sixth game of the road trip. Grabs the Jazz and bites them. Injuries continue. What to do about Faves? What was that closing lineup and why? We'll break all of that down. Is it a make or miss league? Maybe not last night. The Jazz fall to Memphis. We break it down. Coming up on the Jazz. Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. So glad to have you involved and tuned in and following the show today. Thank you very much. We do this each and every day for you with a little daily podcast update you on the jazz. The listening numbers are great, so thank you. We welcome a new sponsor onto the show today. Uh, we're getting high tech here. Uh, Jamalto. Jamalto is the global leader in digital security. Uh, it's time to protect the breach, and I'll tell you how Jamalto will do that. And our local sales representative, Dan Spence, from Jamalto is the one uh, connecting us with these really smart, bright people. Uh, data breaches just continue, continue, continue. And so Jamalto has the answer on how to stop it. And, of course, it's Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate. Devin is not moved, despite his offer last week. Uh, he's sponsoring the program today as well, Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. He'll still buy you a pair of jazz season tickets for the whole season if you buy or sell a house uh, with him. What do we got coming up on the program? We'll break down last night's game, the lineups. Uh, I know it's a big discussion. We'll, we'll try to talk through uh, Quinn's decision to keep Rudy out of the game, uh, where the game was lost last night, uh, what to do about Derek Favors, and then we'll run around the rest of the league. That's the plan for today. Thanks for taking the ride with us. Let's start it off, as we always do, with pins across the world. You can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Tell me your story of how you became a Jazz fan and where it is you're listening. I'm going old school today. I'm going to jump back to one from last year that has never got read uh, along the way. We go to Michael Moore. Oh, no, not, not, not the note-giving Michael Moore. You can place a pin for the Jazz in New York City as well as one in London. I've while I'm moving in a couple of months. I've been a regular listener since the 2013 draft when I discovered the podcast and thought you gave good insight, though we're perhaps a bit too excited about some stiff who fell to 27. I've been a jazz fan from birth, even though I grew up in Florida. My grandparents were Louisiana Tech boosters who became close with Carl Malone and thus jazz diehards. My grandfather even left my aunt's wedding reception early to attend a USA basketball practice. The stories are always awesome. I was raised on Stockton Malone, but being a fan of this current group has been even even better with league pass and content like yours. Speaking of, I've long been a fan of the road to method of looking at a season. I've been tracking road to 45. Oh, I should do that today. Um, and he was uh, looking at this. This was last December. 
from Michael Moore. We'll put a pin in New York City and London, wherever Michael might be. Michael, thank you very much for setting that pin. I might have to do that today. If, we'll have to maybe we'll just do that together. For those who don't know about that, we we have a um, the road to 45 or the road to 50 wins is kind of a little model that we've built and that you just kind of, instead of like trying to f- just look at whether you're above, ahead, or behind uh, the path, and uh, maybe we'll we'll take a look at that later in the show today, if if time permits, and also frankly, um, if I can if I can find it for you. Oh, I have found it, so it's now it's now a possibility. But let's get to our tip off story of the day. Uh, the Jazz just I, I think it was not a surprise uh, what happened early in that game. They they came out a little uh, sluggish. They didn't defend at all early. That got Memphis rolling. Memphis, who was the last in the league in first quarter offense, and then just blitzed the Jazz in the first quarter to 33 points. Uh, Memphis, who is uh, last in the league, you know, 29th in the league in effective field goal percentage, ended up shooting 52.6 effective field goal percentage for the night. League average is around 50. They came in around 47. So it was just a bad defensive night for the Jazz. They end up allowing Memphis 114 points per 100 possessions. That's a fatigue, lack of focus. Uh, issue playing the sixth game in nine nights in the six different building that la- that first game back and I thought Quinn really addressed it well all day long he was all over him and shoot around kind of said give it to me tonight and I'll give you tomorrow off and it just sometimes your mind can tell you one thing and the body just doesn't want to play along and that kind of seemed to be where they were and then you couple that with the injuries and you're missing your entire starting backcourt and then maybe even more than your entire starting backcourt you're missing, but you know this is where Alec kicks in as well. I know Alec's been gone for so long that we don't think about it anymore. Um, and I did have a nice conversation with him. He actually got out on the floor a little bit uh, yesterday. If anyone noticed, uh, out on the arena floor, uh, doing a little, not not a lot of running and just a little shooting and things like that. So it's a little bit of progress for him. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the you know you just now all of a sudden instead of having Alec. So you're out George, Rodney, and Alec. Those are your three, you know, if, if you really look at the way the season was going to play out, I think the expectation, if everybody's healthy, those are the three guys that take your 96 minutes and then Dante gets a little bit. Uh, instead, you got Joe Ingles playing 33. you got Dante playing 30. you got Shelvin Mack playing 27. Uh, you, you've got a lot of guys stretching. And frankly, a lot of them played pretty darn well. Joe struggled defensively. Vince Carter... Uh, and Joe Johnson, both Joe struggled there. Vince Carter had a great game. Jazz defensive rating when Joe Ingles was on the floor last night was not great. It was 125. But Joe, I, I was really impressed with the way Joe Ingles impressed the, in, you know, took that role. He's he was not had not shot a three in his last two games. He was one of eight coming in, uh, and instead he he came out and was very very aggressive. He had a usage rate near 20 percent, which is high for him, and kind of played outside of his realm to what the team needed. So I thought that was I thought that was awfully impressive uh, last night uh, to see him uh, do that last night and, and play in that fashion. So uh, you know I, I thought the guys a lot of the guys did what they could do. You just a little bit your snake bit by injuries, a little bit your snake bit by the schedule. It's too bad because Memphis is a game you probably should win though. That's the most healthy they've been all year. Chandler Parsons twenty three minutes was a lot. Marcus Souls thirty two. Mike Conley's 30. Uh, part of the game last night, the Jazz did not take advantage when Conley was off the floor. And that, and that's where the depth really kicked in, is, is Andrew Harrison's not great. And Andrew Harrison's playing 26 minutes last night and is plus six. You've got to take advantage when Mike Conley goes off the floor against that team. And the Jazz just weren't able to do that last night.
And that's you know that's probably largely because they're they're lacking the depth to take advantage of second units where they're usually going to be able uh, to to make some hay. Uh, the controversy at the end of the game, from a, I think a lot of fans' standpoint, it was interesting. I don't know if it's controversy, but it was certainly interesting while it happened. Was that Rudy Gobert picked up a really ill-advised foul at the ten-minute mark? And frankly, that's probably where this conversation should start and end. Is that Rudy's got to not make that play, right? I mean. Rudy's got to not commit that foul. There's no other really analysis to this is that Rudy at the 1046 mark of the game picks up his fifth foul 30 feet away from the basket. And Rudy has been pretty consistent with some foul trouble recently. It's that, you know, Quinn, it's got to stop. If you're playing with four fouls, Jazz at that point are down two uh, at 1014 left in the fourth quarter. You've, you've got to know your importance to the ball club. And and then Trey Lyles checks back in for Rudy, and now uh, now you're playing Diaw and Lyles together for the final 10-14, and Rudy never comes back in the game. So there's two aspects of this. One is that, you know, that, that foul by Rudy is really you just – you can't make that foul. Like, it's just a bad foul. Uh, Ron Boone said it fairly bluntly on – postcast last night and that's where the game changes and the Jazz weren't very good defensively with Rudy on the floor I mean Rudy played that entire first quarter when when the Jazz weren't getting any stops it wasn't as though Rudy was having a particularly good night that's kind of Quinn's point after the game is Rudy wasn't playing well uh Boris was actually guarding Gasol pretty darn well uh Gasol was not as comfortable as he was earlier in the game and actually Gasol had uh, came in, he turned it over the first time. Uh, he got it. And then when Boris kind of took him away, he turned it over at the second time. He made a play on an offensive foul and hit a jump shot uh, with 157 left uh, and got the foul on that one from Boris on a call that Boris didn't really agree with. Uh, and that was after an offensive rebound. He had missed the three. And Green got the rebound. The problem with the Jazz lineup is they got less than 50% of the rebounds in the fourth quarter. So what's interesting, just kind of analyzing the lineup they had out there, is Diaw actually was defending Marcus Gasol very, very well. The problem is that Diaw is a well-below-average rebounder. Lyles is a well-below-average rebounder. Hayward, when he came back in, is an above-average rebounder. But the other guys, Ingles and Mack, are below average. The Jazz just got crushed on the, on the, offense, on the defensive glass. Had the Jazz rebounded, that lineup's probably not a problem. Uh, and that's, you know, that's that's really where that comes down to. Now, why did he keep him out? Well, one is because I think, truthfully, what Quinn said after the game is true. That that lineup was had brought them back, he thought, was playing pretty well. Um, I'm not sure if, it, if that lineup truly had brought them back, per se. I thought the third quarter they kind of worked their way back. It was a three-point game to open the fourth. But they were down five in the fourth, and, the, and that group kind of got them back into it. The second one was that Boris was actually playing well. The spread and open floor was allowing the Jazz um, to be able to, to, to make some offensive plays, um, though the offense began to get a little sour, but you, you're really playing off the looks you can get. Uh, more than anything else, when you go back and look at the fourth quarter, you know, uh, and I, I thought Shelvin Mack played incredibly well. He's going to get be victimized here in this discussion, but I wanted to kind of point that first. I mean, so you look at our, the Jazz possessions. Lyles, from when Gobert goes out of the game, you go to this lineup, they score at 9.48 on 
on free throws, and they don't get a rebound. So they actually don't get the ball for another minute. Lyle scores on a six-foot floater. Diaw scores again on the next position. They again don't get a rebound. Axum scores. So they've scored on their first four straight possessions with an open floor here. Lyles misses a drive to the basket that was a really wide open. He just missed it. Uh, Axum gets fouled. I believe on yeah, Exum gets fouled, goes to the free throw line. Uh, Jazz score on a outlet layup. I mean, they're scoring virtually every time down the floor. Six minutes left. Hayward goes line. Now it slows down. Now we get to the under five minute mark, and all of a sudden the offense kind of slows down again. Exum misses a three really, really badly with five eighteen left. Mac comes in. Uh, Exum gets an offensive charging foul. I mean, now these you know Dante playing in the clutch. Those could be. Those are the first clutch minutes Dante's played in a long time. And so it's not that Diaw gets a bucket. The offense is still executing. Gordon misses a wide-open three with 3.44 left. Uh, Jat Lyles tries a nifty little pass. Lyles had a great pass to Diaw on that other play and turns it over. Again, there's there's a so, – so here you kind of – now, you don't want to use the injuries too much of an excuse, but, you know, Axum offensive foul. Lyles turnover. Mack misses a, a corner three that's a good look. Mack misses a 19-footer that's a good look, and now the game's away from you. And so the four plays that didn't go your way are all plays that are injury-related to some extent. The rebounding defensively, the offensive lineup at work, the defensive. If you look at the numbers, by the way, Boris Diaz and Rudy Gobert's defensive numbers for the night were the exact same. The Jazz defensive rating when Rudy was on the floor last night was 117.4. Favors was the guy who actually in his 21 minutes had the good defensive rating. That's really where the Jazz uh, and Dante had a pretty good defensive rating too. Not great, but for the game they had a good one. Rudy and Boris were both at 117.4. I thought we missed Rudy's screening, frankly, uh, in that offensive sequence. But then again, we also scored... Uh, virtually every time Rudy had another six screen assists last night. Screen assists are shots that uh, are times he set the screen. The other one I might throw out there is there There might have been, and Quinn didn't say this afterwards, so I'm totally making this up, but there might have been a little bit of a, you know what, Rudy, I'm going to get you disciplined. Because it was interesting if you go to our coaches' show last night, when I asked uh, Quinn about how well Rudy was playing, he ended up talking about how uh, Rudy – how Rudy needs to be more disciplined. And then in the po- in the media session, he got asked a similar question. He kind of went to the same thing again with Rudy's discipline needing to be better. And there you had Rudy being undisciplined, committing the fifth foul. And maybe Quinn just went long-term and said, you know what, uh, I- I'm going to sit him for this just because I- he's got to get more disciplined, and this is how he's going to learn. So that might be a little bit of the case of what's going on there. We'll talk about some more aspects of the game, but I want to introduce you to Jamalto and to Dan Spence of Jamalto, dan.spence at jamalto.com or 801-540-3024. So Jamalto is a data protection digital security company. They're one of the leaders uh, in the world. Their solutions are at the heart of kind of the modern digital life of, of how you can deal with it. So what's going on is that most people have been paying huge amount of money to protect the perimeter of their data. But you know what? The numbers are overwhelming. The breach is going to happen. Uh, I I don't want to bore you with it, but I've now been educated and learned about it, that, you know, breaches are increasing by 15% over the last six months, and yet that's where everybody's spending their money. 31% over the whole year, breaches are taking place at a higher rate, yet everyone's putting their money there. It's the wrong place. There is no network perimeter 
anymore that you can do safe. So what you do is you protect for the breach. You know it's coming. It's kind of like you know the blitz is coming, so you release the back out into the backfield to make the play rather than uh, you know not protecting for the blitz to come. So you know that. You protect the breach. Data's the new gold, and they're after your gold. So what do you do? You, Jamalto has a three-step plan. You encrypt your data, your important data, you get it all encrypted, your intellectual property, you put it into secure spots, and then you secure and manage those crypto keys. Now, some of you are like, what are you talking about? But if you're in the data world, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then the last part is you control the access and protect the identities. You protect and you plan for the breach, and then you protect the breach. And that's the way to get it done with Jamalto. Protect your critical data, be ready for the onslaught that's coming, and deny them with your protection once they already break the perimeter. Check it out with Dan uh, Dan Spence of Jamalto, dan.spence at G-E-M-A-L-T-O dot com, or call him at 801-540-3024, 801-540-3024. Quite simply, there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with data protection, and Jamalto has figured out the right way by protecting the breach when it comes. All right, so the other aspects to this one, I I wanted to give a little uh, shout-out to Shelvin Mack. Uh, He he just kind of gets thrown into every role imaginable, makes plays. There's areas he's... You know, you you can pick him apart, and there's areas where certainly he's not a starting point guard in the NBA, and he probably has some deficiencies here and there. Where he gets into spots you don't know, and he may be overly aggressive at times with a jump shot. You wish he. W- I, I thought, you know what, where the Jazz were last night, uh, he played great. He had a, almost every single one of his open looks. Uh, he, he's a neat guy to have on your team. He's he's great, total pro, busted his butt, uh, and does a lot. You know, really. Last night, he hits four or five uncontested looks. Hard to say. Like It's easy to say, hey, if that ball goes to George Hill in the corner, but George Hill made the first four. So uh, I thought Shelvin uh, deserves some credit and played, um, uh, uh, you know, played a really played a really great uh, game last night, just trying to do the best he can in a circumstance. He had four assists. He had two secondary assists. I, I, I thought he deserved a, a tip of the hat. Uh, I was talking about it to make or miss league. Jazz made last night. Make or miss league in the Jazz made last night. I keep a uh, spreadsheet uh, on on this, and last night was a make night. The Jazz hit uh, 48.7% of their open looks, which is high. Um, for the season, uh, the Jazz on average are, uh, I believe, if I have this right, um, on average, they're 15 of 36 for about 42% last night. They were 19 of 39. So uh, 53% of their shots were uncontested last night. Last night was a defensive problem. They just didn't come out with the defense they needed to have early. And then uh, once Memphis got comfortable and their four veterans got rolling, then the Jazz didn't seem to have a stop to it. And that's really the story of last night, which gets to the next kind of concerning thing is that's where Favors is. Uh, it, it's not encouraging what we're seeing with Derek. Uh, you know, everyone always asks how worried should be. I, I, I'm, I don't know anything, but I would tell you I'm pretty worried. Uh, you know, he played really, really well uh, on that road trip until we got to the, to the last game of the trip, and y- yet the whole trip you could see that his gait didn't seem quite right. His body just, it just looks like it's really, really hard for him 
uh, and that he is just battling hard right now to move. And, you know, one thing I think is interesting is I, I did a bunch of research on players, and if you get over 270 pounds, it's really hard to stay healthy in this league uh, with the wear and tear on the body. He's always been listed at 265, and I, I and he seemed to be down, but suddenly without training camp, without some of that, I wonder if he's up over that kind of threshold. 280 is really, um, you know, the kind of big one. <clears throat> and uh, I think that it, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. But the, the, what kind of jumps out to me more than anything else is he was really very, very, very good until the Miami game. So there, it's still in there somewhere. Where Derek is all right. Now, last night, he just didn't look right at all. He couldn't jump, and his, he had no lift, and his shots were air balls. And um, you could just see he's not moving. And, and there's been times all year where he's, you know, not exploding the basket. It was almost though he kind of figured out how to play a new game. Uh, but, you know, if you got a, the four games prior on that road trip, he's thir- 13 and 6, 16 and 14, 16 and 10, 18 and 9. And then Miami, he plays the five minutes. Now Memphis, he he just didn't look right and took himself out. It's it's certainly disconcerting. He's still so young. He has so much game, and he's really vital to who the Jazz are. But I don't know the answer. I don't know medically. Like, do you shut him down? I mean, people are asking me that. I, I don't. I mean, I, I honestly I don't know why I would know that answer. But it doesn't. The trend right now is not good. Right? He the back injury last year. The happened he never came back quite right now you have this which I don't know if it's related to trying to protect the back and somehow you've done something but here's the disconcerting note when Derek Favors is on the floor this year our defensive rating is 95.8 and when Derek Favors is off the floor our defensive rating is 104.4 there's no player on the roster that has a bigger variance uh, to what our D other than actually, I think Gordon Hayward does. Uh, but you know, the Jazz defense with favors on the floor is ninety five point eight. That's that's league leading kind of stuff. And then when Derek's off the floor, it jumps to one oh four point four. That's below average. So it's it's a you know it. We're gonna have to see. What happens here? Uh, but this is this team's the que- the comment I have kind of continually made all year long is that the team the the Jazz the thing will be interesting to me is as the Jazz become more offensive minded with these spread floors, can they maintain their defensive prowess? And this to me is going to be interesting to see whether or not. Uh, they're able to do that. And uh, the, the early indications in some of these numbers is that, that, that maybe maybe they can't. Uh, I was emailing back and forth with Devin Cash yesterday, Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate, and he was telling me a story about that one of the locked-on listeners said, hey, you know what, I'm going to probably sell my house this spring. 
um, or maybe even earlier. Let me let me have an idea of what's going on. And they reached out to Devin, and Devin did a market analysis for them. And Devin want, said he was just so impressed by it. Devin wanted to point out to me, if you're thinking about getting in the home market, but right now is not a great time as you roll into Christmas or first of the year or something, but you still want to be prepared, Devin will do a market analysis for you. And you don't feel any obligation that that means, oh, I've got to, you know, I have to go sell it tomorrow. Exact opposite. That's exactly contrary to everything about who Devin Cash is. So if you're looking to possibly sell your house or look into um, what the market might yield for you, whether it's the right time to do it, give Devin a call at 801-759-1495. That's 801-759-1495. Now, if you are in the market, Devin's a great guy to use. A bunch of our locked-on listeners have used Devin. Uh, He says he approaches real estate with the heart of the teacher, never wanting his clients to feel uncomfortable with any situation. Loves working with the first-time home buyer so they can guide them through the process and obviously see the thrill on their face when they walk into their own house and sit on their own couch in their own room and watch their own television in their own house for the first time. So if you want to talk to Devin about that, give him a call, 801-759-1495, and Devin is still offering two Jazz free season tickets for any of the up uh, for the season if you buy or sell your house uh, with Devin. The other opportunity, by the way, is if we move a little longer down the road and you want just a few games at a higher value, Devin's willing to do that for you. It's a good example of just kind of who Devin is, how willing he is to work. He's one of our original sponsors, so please support him. Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate, 801-759-1495. I don't have a lot more on last night's game, um, but I could. Let's play around uh, and see where we are on the, the road to 50. So uh, we opened up. At Portland, this is this is going to be a little monotonous, but hopefully you'll stick with me. And so we looked at our projection. We projected the Jazz to win one game in Portland uh, this year. And so you projected wins today. You put in a .5, and the Jazz don't get it. Uh, the Jazz came home to play the Lakers, and they're projected to win both those games. And so the Jazz actually have an actual win where they have a projected win. We headed to the L.A. Clippers where the Jazz uh, – this is if the Jazz are going to win 50 games, they will have to – we have them winning to win 50. We have them winning one game in L.A. this year against the Clippers. That is a tough task, and the Jazz uh, did not win that one. We headed to San Antonio where we had the Jazz not winning any games at all, and they got one, so they get a plus one. So through four games, the Jazz were supposed to have won two, and they won two, so they were right on pace for the 50 uh, win. They came home to play Dallas. We have them winning both those games if they're going to win 50 games this year, so they get that win. They played San Antonio at home where they're supposed to win one along the way uh, at home. They did not win this one, so now the Jazz are .5 behind uh, the pace to win 50 games as we headed out on the East Coast Road Trip. 50 sure seems like a lot, doesn't it? All right, we headed to the road uh, play the New York Knicks. They play one game, one projected win. Win to date one, actual win one. They played the Philadelphia 76ers, which has one projected win, one actual win. So at this point, still behind pace. Headed to Charlotte to face, and the Jazz not projected to win a game in Charlotte this year. They do not win a game, so that stays. Jazz head to Orlando, where the Jazz were projected to win. They win, and they do. And then they go to Miami, where we did not have them projected to win. We could have flipped that with Orlando. We didn't. I don't think when we did this, we realized how bad Miami was going to be. So the Jazz have, and they get the win uh, right there. Then they come home to play Memphis, where the Jazz are projected to win both, and they lose. So through this point of the year, the Jazz are a half game off the pace of winning 50 games. 
If the Jazz play as a 50-win team the rest of the way, they win 49 and a half games. Now, that's the, the key line there is if they play as a 50-win team the rest of the way, uh, then they have four, so they have to play at that level. So actually, the point is at this point you have to play, to get to 50, you have to play above 50 whenever so slightly, but you have to play above a 50-win team because you're a little bit behind. Uh, and that's the problem. And I would say, you know, with all the injuries and everything we've had so far, that that frankly seems fine. Uh, but it, you, you start to slip behind 10 games into the season, and then you have a very hard time being able to make up uh, the extra wins. So thank you very much for our pin across the world who reminded me of this, and we'll keep you updated on that. Tomorrow we'll do pack. We've got 12 Jazz games. Most teams have played 10 games. We'll look at pack around the NBA, early pack season, uh, numbers for everyone as well. Last night, uh, Boston lost again. Al Horford's still out. Uh they, Boston has now 5-5. Five and five. New Orleans got that win last night, uh, but Boston w- loses it 106-105. They put up a 31-point fourth quarter, uh, but they are still playing without Jay Crowder, and they are playing without Al Horford, so that team's not quite right. Isaiah Thomas had 37 uh, for Boston. So what, really, Boston's probably too early to evaluate. Uh, Orlando coming off a nice win, then got blasted by Indiana, 88-69. And that, what's going on in Orlando from just a standpoint is interesting in the sense that Frank Vogel did it against us, but he just has completely changed the way he's using his talent and playing uh, the players he wants to play. Aaron Gordon played just 22 minutes off the bench. Uh, Mario Heizong Isenga actually played five minutes, jacked five shots, but that was in garbage time uh, at the end of the game. So interesting to kind of watch what's going on there. Dallas fell to two and seven. Oklahoma City, who I'm just not totally buying, they fell to six and five. Detroit beat them last night, 104-88. Just Russell has no help at all. And the Clippers are far and away the best team in the league. And I think if we start looking at the Clippers numbers compared to what the Warriors numbers were through 11 games each of the last two years, the Clippers would be just as dominant. They are great right now. They won by 30 again uh, last night. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz brought to you by Jamalto. Data security. Protect the breach is the way to do it with data security. Uh, And give our Friend Dan Spence, new sponsor. Uh, call Dan.Spence at Jamalto.com. Dan.Spence at Jamalto.com. And Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate. Have him do the market analysis for you so you know where you stand for the future. Give Devin Cash a call today. Devin Cash of Equity Real Estate, 801 759 1495. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.